What's up, everybody, and welcome to episode 102 of the Talking Chop podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, and joining me for this uh, bizarre midweek edition, his name is Scott Coleman. What's up, Scott? What's up, Brad? Thanks for having me on. It's my pleasure, sir. Uh, for people that are listening, they might want to know when we're recording this. It's uh, very late into the night on the East Coast on Thursday evening. Um, basically, obviously, you guys caught up. In fact, we did not have a show last week, and I realized uh, earlier today that I was not going to have a window to do a podcast, uh, at least a proper podcast, over the weekend. So that's how you end up with a Thursday night episode of the podcast. And, you know, it makes some sense. There's a little bit of stuff going on. You know, pitchers and catchers have reported some of the uh, – more high-profile players on the Hawks roster are now in Orlando and on the scene. So uh, the Hawks roster. Oh, jeez! I'm mode. such a basketball man. I'm sorry. It's the <laughs> uh, the Braves roster. I apologize. It's one of those things, man. Uh, people understand what what I, what I do with most of my life, but <laughs> here we are. It's spring training. I, I was right about everything except for that one word. Um, but yeah, it's guys are there, and all the media coverage is happening. You know, you and I are not there, but plenty of our uh, friends of the podcast and people that we trust are on the scene in Orlando, and stuff's happening. So, I mean, are you feeling it yet? I'm not quite there with the buzz, but maybe you are. So are, are you there yet with, the, uh, with, with baseball fever? I'm excited. I mean, it, it's been a slow winter. You know, some off seasons, it seems like it goes by pretty quick with, you know, especially as busy as the last couple winters have been. But, uh, but yeah, this 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 off season has really been a drag and nothing has really happened. So it's nice to have some real life baseball things, you know, even if, you know, like you said, if it's guys taking PFP or obviously Ronald Acuna showed up to camp today. Uh, so that's exciting. I, I, I'm, I'm not quite at baseball fever yet, but I think within the next week or so as, as the whole team shows up, that's when we really ramp it up and start to feel like baseball season's almost here. Yeah, I mean, for me, it's kind of when the first spring training, training game actually happens. Um, and yeah. until then, it's kind of, it's fun. The first day of pitchers and catchers reports, like, all right, we're, we made it. And then you kind of realize that you didn't make it for another <laughs> week or two. Uh, Seven weeks to go. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's people there. I mean, I got, I, I, I probably, it's because we're not there. Um, I'm sure, you know, people in the media that are actually down there in Orlando um, were dialed in. And obviously, getting to talk to guys is a little bit different than uh, being where you and I are. But, at the same time, you know, Acuna was uh, obviously a big media throng around him, and a couple of other guys are there. You know, and Ender's there. Obviously, all the pitchers and catchers are there. So, anyway, there's lots to talk about, even if there isn't anything actually to talk about, if that makes sense. Um, uh, sort of the headliner this week, at least for me, was the. Uh, it's, I feel like it's been like five or six weeks in a row. It's been we talked about third base, but uh, your friend and mine, Mark Bowman, kind of broke it. Carefully to people that Mike Mustakas is not really going to be an option. It appears, um, I believe the quote uh, I have it here. The quote from Bowman is the is the following: While the Braves have never disclosed a specific payroll figure for the upcoming season, it's believed that they have less than ten million dollars to spend. Mustakas, uh, who rejected the qualifying offer from the Royals, will still likely garner at least an eight-figure salary for this season. Uh, end quote. So it kind of goes beyond Mustakas, but uh, I guess the Braves are kind of kind of cash strapped for now. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's not a huge surprise to me. Me, but um, I don't know. Anything surprise you here? Because you know they took out all the money for this year with an effort to clear the 2019 books. So this is kind of always going to be something of a reality. But in the same breath, just seeing it in print is probably a little bit different. Yeah, it was a little disheartening to see that you know Bowman, who I think is keyed into the organization as anybody, uh, you know, for him to say the Braves really don't have any money to do anything. I know he mentioned there's the slight chance that they might be able to backload a deal and, and get creative with something, but at the same time, I'm not sure Mustakas is that is that desperate, but 
you know, at the same time, you look at him and, and there's only so many third base openings and most of the teams that needed a third baseman. Uh, the Giants grabbed Longoria earlier. The Mets, of course, signed Frazier. The Red Sox uh, reportedly have a deal with Eduardo Nunez. Uh, you know, it's, it's just kind of running out of places for him to go. I guess he could return to Kansas City. Uh, you know, the Yankees certainly have money. The Yankees never don't have money, but uh, they're also watching their spending and preparing for next year's free agent class. So it seems likely that he'll take a one-year deal and then try to hit the market again next winter when teams are willing to spend. You know, if, if it's a one-year deal, I know we've heard all winter that the Braves are, are looking for a bridge to, to Austin Riley and just to kind of see where everything's at in a year. Um, but even then, I would imagine he'll get, as, as both you and Bowman mentioned, upwards of $10 million, uh this season. I'm just not sure the Braves have the money. Uh, nor is it worth giving up. I believe it's the fourth round pick for uh, for one year of his services. So be interesting to see where he lands. He's kind of running out of folks, and and at the end of the day, you have to sign with someone. But it it was a little bummed. I'm I'm not a huge Mishdakis fan, but he would at least bring power and is is certainly a better option at third base this year than Camargo. And and outside of Riley, just you know taking the you know the league by storm at 23 years old next year. Uh, I would imagine at least the next two years he would be the best, the best option at third. Yeah, I mean when uh, when uh, at, the be- at the beginning of the offseason when he actually you know the reporting came out and well, I shouldn't even say reporting when the guests came out from MLB trade, trade rumors that he was going to get uh, that big five year deal to the Braves as that was their estimate we kind of poo pooed that um, and I, I stand yeah. by that but at the same time I think. I mean, at least some Braves fans were hoping that maybe that if the price could come down far enough that he would be an intriguing option. And I, I would have been on board with that at a certain price point. But obviously, I mean, less than $10 million in, in year one is not going to get it done. I know, I know yeah. guys, I, 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 there's been some sort of movement that um, guys have to sign contracts, and I understand that. But if you're an agent and, you're, and your client is Mike Moustakis, you, you can't possibly let him sign a contract that's so cheap that it kind of sinks you in that way. Like it makes you look bad more than anything. So it's one of those things where I just can't imagine I'm taking that much of a discount. Uh, you're, you're better, you're better off taking the one year deal somewhere. You know, you, you still look dumb there because you turned down what 17 and a half million dollars in the qualifying yeah. offer. So he's, he's going to get less than that. I have a feeling, but you know, I mean, I like to think that Liberty media might bend the, uh, the purse strings a little bit. And if, if it was really that much of a bargain and you can get him on a one year deal for $15 million, Something like that. I, I would say that they should do that, but it's also yeah. about my money. And Liberty Media has not usually been the type to overspend what they're supposed to be spending. There was one year fairly recently where they actually went over their quote unquote cap. It's not a salary cap. We should probably say that out loud. This is just a Liberty and Media imposed number, which is frustrating if you are a fan of the team and um, the the conglomerate will not go over their number. But uh, I don't know, man. It's kind of what I it's kind of what I expected in some ways, but just seeing the uh, the ten million dollar sort of ceiling is kind of uh, in some ways disheartening. Even if I'm not exactly recommending recommend that, recommend that the Braves go out and spend a bunch of money, because I'm, I, I wouldn't do that. But just kind of seeing that hard cap is uh, a little bit strange. Yeah, it's, so let's let's talk. You know, if what's a reasonable deal for Mustakas that both he would likely accept and the Braves could you know feasibly come up with? Is it? Four years, forty-eight million. You know, twelve million a year. Does that sound close to right? In I your mean, opinion? maybe. I still, I think that's not that. That's not that that crazy. He is twenty-nine years old, but he turned twenty-nine in September, so it's not as if he's turning thirty anytime soon. So, getting a four-year deal would be, you know, advantageous for him. With that said, like, I'm not sure I'd love that deal for the Braves. 
uh, just because of the length of it. I think I, if I was the Braves, I'd, ra- I'd rather pay him two years and sure, thirty-seven sure. million. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's yeah. kind of funny. Like you almost rather go shorter, even with, if if it's almost as much total money. But you know, with this report, you know, at least with the in baseball, you don't have to structure your contracts the same way you do in basketball, which I'm of course uh, more. I cover that sport more often where you there's actually a percentage raise that you're allowed to give and you can't go over that. The Braves could get super creative and say, all right, Mike, we really want you. We're going to give, we're going to give you 8 million this year and 20 million next year. Like, is yeah. that, is that going to be, is that going to get it to get it done? Like, I, I don't think it probably isn't, but I mean, it, that would make some sense to me. Like in the end, it looks like a two, a two year, two, $28 million contract. But if it's eight and 20 and it fits better with the Braves books, he might take that to just lock in, $28 million. Cause right now I'm sure he's got some deals on the table, but you know, at this point he would have signed one of them. You have to think he's not the only guy that's still available, but if you're, if you're Moustakas and you're not, and you're not quite that top tier free agent and there are a few top tier free agents that are still available, you have to get pretty worried. So maybe he gets, maybe he gets desperate. I still don't think it's gonna be the Braves, but yeah, maybe somewhere in that shorter range would be better for me. But at some point, if it's four years and he just wants to, he just wants the security, I guess 448 wouldn't be awful. It's at least tradable. You would imagine. Yeah, and at that point, you're—I mean, at that point, he doesn't even have to necessarily hit two wins a season, two no. war, right? Yeah, so I, I think that would be an obtainable goal. But again, he, there's the Scott Boris factor, there's the draft pick factor. It's you know maybe the Braves really don't have any money to spend. I would like to think that's not the case, but maybe they just really don't have any money. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So who knows? It it'll be interesting to see nonetheless. If they sign Mustakas, I would. I know some people on Twitter and on you know on the site and everything are very very against him which you know I know he he doesn't have the highest OBP and he has some you know he he doesn't draw a lot of walks and uh you know his power's been kind of fluky and all that but he's not a bad player right like the last he two, had a three, bad year in 2016 cuz he was he was banged up I mean yeah, when he's, when he's been healthy yeah. you know the last 5 years he only has one season in which he was not good at all. It was 2014 yeah. when he was only worth a half a win. And if, if that if that happened, obviously you would not be thrilled. But aside from that, you know, 2.2 wins last year. This is all according to Fangraphs. 3.7 in 2015, uh, 1.2 in 2013. That was sort of a shortened season in some ways. And then 2012, he was good. That was sort of his breakout campaign. So I think yeah. you know, expecting 38 uh, 38 home runs from him. It's not exactly reasonable that you know he slugged 521 last year. That's going to be on the high side. But if you, if you can get you can lock in you know that one and a half two win player. That's not it's not super sexy. But if you're paying that guy yeah. 15 million dollars, it's fine. Totally. It, at some point, he will be a value, right? Now I don't know how long it takes before he, his contract gets reasonable. And there's also the Austin Riley factor. But at the same time, there we've certainly you know, talked about I would Riley not many care times. At all. I yeah. mean, no. If I like my Mustakis more. I can tell you for certain that I would not be carrying on Austin Riley if if well, if, uh, right. if, 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 if Riley if, or if, by the way if he if he was twenty five instead of twenty nine I probably still wouldn't care and I probably still want to sign him. He yeah, be I mean, look at if Riley just goes nuts this year in Double A and looks like the future. Well, you he's so fairly you athletic. You can move him to left. Yeah, you, you move him to left or you trade him in a deal. I mean, these things tend to work themselves out. If if he's the next Chipper Jones, you'll figure it out, right? So. Um, that I really, we were talking about this again earlier in the week. I just, I don't think that should be a factor. I, I really think it just come down to the money. And if it's, if it's a good deal in both the short and long term, I, I think you pull the trigger. Yeah, I'm with you 100% on that. I mean, again, it's not, it's not all, all about Mustakis. I think the, uh, 
almost the more noteworthy thing is that the Braves have this like you know faux salary cap to work with, and you know yeah. maybe they, maybe they just won't sign anybody. I mean, I think we've all been working through, this, through the assumption that they would do something before the beginning of the season. Maybe they just won't. Maybe this is yeah. just going to be the roster. I mean, they made one signing that we're going to make fun of here in a second, I'm sure, um, <laughs> this week. But aside from that, like. They don't have to do anything. They have a roster of Major League Baseball players. Like Maybe they're just yeah. going to start the season with this team, and that won't blow me away. And We'll talk about expectations here in a second. But, yeah, I mean, that's kind of the noteworthy part is they just don't want to spend money, which I understand. I mean, they, they clearly prioritized 2018 – I mean, sorry, 2019 over 2018 when they, when they did the Matt Kemp deal, which I was all about, by the way. We both liked that trade, and it made a lot of sense. But it does cap their spending, apparently, for 2018. And Yeah. Yeah, it's one of those times where you wish you had an owner with a face that you could uh, say, "Hey, spend spend some more, spend some more money instead of uh, going to uh, you know Terry McGurk rep- representing um, <laughs> Liberty Media." And it's that weird thing where you just don't you don't know what's going on there. Yeah, I'm with you. It's, but you're right. I mean, if and again, I know we've been talking about this at length here, but you know, if if they don't sign anyone and they roll with Johan Camargo, maybe Ruiz at some point get some reps at third. It's not the end of the world because, as we all know, barring something crazy happening, this probably isn't a playoff team, a World Series contender, or anything like that. So if they do roll with the young kids at third and see what they have, who knows? Maybe we're all discounting Camargo and, and he's going to have a nice year. I'm, I'm not as high on him, obviously, as, as I know some others are. But uh, it, it's not – you're right. It's not 150 games of Adonis Garcia if, if they don't bring in somebody. No, and – it's worth noting that a couple of the reporting, a couple of reporters down there, have sort of mentioned that Camargo is like the starter right now. If the season yeah. begins, like not not a platoon, like basically Camargo is going to be the starter, and I don't love that. But at the same time, like you know, if he's what he was last year, it's fine. I just don't necessarily believe what's what he actually is. We'll see. I mean, the track record, record is definitely split between what he was before 2017 and what he was in 2017. So if he's that guy, it's not like he's a terrible option. So we'll see what happens, and uh, we'll obviously check out on third base repeatedly as we have been the entire offseason. Um, I, did, I did sort of tease this a second ago, but the one thing the Braves actually did this week in terms of signing someone was, high, was signing Chris Stewart, a veteran backup slash third-string catcher, to a one-year non-guaranteed major league contract. Pretty interesting that they they made sure it, they, they announced it as a major league contract, but then of course it was reported after the fact that it's non guaranteed. So it's basically not like a major league contract. It's sort of that like hybrid where it yeah. is, but it's not at the same time. Like I think people were like, "What is this? Why are they signing a third catcher?" And it's like, "Well, they're kind of they're kind of not. It's more of just a pure insurance policy." It feels like I don't know. Yeah, I, I got the same sense. And if you look at the, there's not a whole lot of of major league ready catching talent. Um, in the organization right now. Now, obviously, if Flowers and Suzuki are healthy, those are going to be your guys for, for 162. But, you know, who knows? We, we all saw Tyler Flowers takes a beating. He's missed some time the last two years. Uh, who knows if Suzuki can kind of repeat his career year last year when he was 33, 34 years old. It's never a bad thing to have a, a, you know, a passable big league catcher you know, an extra one on your 40 man roster, which I'm not sure he is, by the way, like if you, yeah, we, we can get to yeah. this, like he's, he was legitimately terrible last year and yeah. kind of hasn't hit in a long time. And by the way, Stewart will be 36 this weekend. Um, yeah. so it's not a spring chicken either. So if you read in, if you kind of read through it and I don't think anyone expects this guy to really come in and play a no. lot of games this year, <laughs> it, it's purely more of a insurance thing. You know, I know a couple folks said that he's, 
regarded as a good teammate, a good clubhouse presence. And I'd imagine being sure. 36, he's he's probably seen every kind of pitcher there is in baseball with all the Braves bringing their young guys. I'm sure he'll offer, uh, you, you would hope, at least some good veteran guide, guidesmanship for all the young kids who are there, all 15 of the young pitching prospects who are in camp. So uh, it, it, it is what it is. I know everyone got real excited when word kind of broke that the Braves were close to signing somebody. And then. No, it was, it was the, uh, in fairness, uh, he, we talked about Bowman earlier and he, he copped this. He, he actually tweeted something about how he heard it was an outfielder, which people were interested by. And then it became Chris Stewart and he, uh, Bowman apologized for you know, misinterpreting whatever it was behind the scenes. Um, so, I mean, even if it had been an outfielder, I'm not sure that would have really mattered. I think people might have gotten a little bit carried away with that in general. But, yeah, Chris Stewart's about the least, the least inspiring major league contract that could, could, could have possibly been signed. Like even, even a reliever would have been more intriguing. Anything but a third catcher who probably won't be on the team. But, hey, it's not his fault. So, shouts to Chris Stewart. This will Stewart. probably be the last time we ever talk about Chris Stewart on this podcast. That's my guess. <laughs> probably. That's a fair guess. I would hope so. Anyway, uh, so I wanted to at least bring that up as the one transaction that occurred. Uh, the Braves did have an arbitration battle that they ended actually ended up winning, although I'm not sure they won it, if that makes sense. Mike Fultonavich and the Braves went to arbitration this week. The Braves were at $2.2 million, and Fulton was at $2.3 million, and for some reason, passing understanding, the Braves went to arbitration over $100,000. Yeah. And the Braves won, so congratulations to them. But this is the smallest arbitration gap for any team and any player since 1994. Scott, why in the world did the Braves do this? By the way, we should mention as well, Fulte's wife had a baby like the same day. Um, <laughs> so Fulte was dealing with this arbitration case while his wife was pregnant and about to have a child. And like the whole thing is just makes the Braves look terrible to me. It's, like, it's not this huge deal unless you're Fultonavich, but like, just why? I don't get it. I, I don't get it either. And they said between traveling and having to hire attorneys yeah, and everything like that. Yeah, I mean, that, what? You're paying 100K to three or four attorneys to present in court for a couple hours just to tell a pitcher that he's not worth you know an extra hundred thousand dollars I, I don't know it was it was a black eye I've kind of speculated that Fulty might not have a ton of fans within the organization just for some of his on-field antics that's that's obviously a total guess on my part but just kind of the way they've handled them over the last few years and with the bullpen stuff and uh, I'm sure there, it's easy to get frustrated with him with uh, you know he has a bad second inning and he's just kind of pouting and you know, it's like, dude, it, it's okay. You know, but at the same time, to it's it's honestly pretty petty to to go to arbitration over a hundred thousand bucks. That it just seemed kind of silly to me. Yeah, I mean, it's it is funny, just realistically, as you mentioned there. Like, I mean, even if it's not a hundred thousand dollars you're spending on the lawyers, you're spending some money there. Yeah. Like, so it's even less than a hundred thousand. I just don't, I just don't I don't honestly don't get it at all. Like, it doesn't. I'm not angry about it or anything like that. It's just sort of bewildered, and it's probably my mindset on this one. Like. He's even if you don't like him, if you want to stick it to him, which I that takes some leaps to get there. Even even if that was the case, yeah. it's not worth it yeah. at all. Um, so you know that no, no takeaway there other than the fact that he's now signed for two point two million instead of two point three. So I guess if you're trying to save some money for Mike Mustakis, you need that hundred thousand. <laughs> that um, extra hundred K will put him over the top. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe maybe the Braves can spend ten point one million now instead of ten um, between now and the start of the season. But yeah, that was a weird one to uh, be sure. Uh, one other quick thing before we get into some more big picture stuff is that Tim Lincecum, yes, Tim Lincecum, 
made some Braves news this week, and not not, not really Braves news, but he was he was the Braves were involved. He he had, he had a showcase actually uh, earlier today, in which he threw for a bunch of teams. The Braves were included in that, and widely reported is that I'm not sure the Braves are going to have any interest in him after seeing that. Obviously, we, we were not there. I saw I saw and read a few things about this, but. Um, just want to pass that along more than anything. Lincecum's not been around for a while, but you know he has some talent. Obviously, he lost a lot of his stuff from his Cy Young years. He wasn't the same guy by the time he was sort of fizzling out in San Francisco. But I don't know. That's a guy that's out there. So I don't know. He's, it, fam- he's famous. Yeah, it, he's a name. Like, he's a like name. You said. He's a name. But why? He's pretty much in the. He's a reliever now, right? So, yes. I don't. I don't think there's any chance. I mean, he came, he, he pitched, well, he didn't pitch last year. He threw, looking it up now, 38 innings with the Angels in 2016 and, and had an yes. ERA of nine. Uh, his final season with the Giants, he wasn't, I mean, the guy legitimately hasn't been a good pitcher in like eight years. Like 2010 was his last good year, 2010, 2011. So uh, it's probably worth a look, you know, and when they say the Braves are going to be at his, his, his throwing showcase. I can't imagine they went like ten deep, <laughs> you know. Like oh, no. they probably sent their West Coast scout to check him out and yeah. just make sure they're that whenever, if all of a sudden he has ten offers on the table next week and, and looked amazing, well, you don't want to be in scramble mode to try to figure out whether or not you need to do something. So it, I kind of laugh. Uh, yeah, this is an item that we would not be talking about if there was anything else going on. Let me just say that out loud. That's one of those things where he's a famous name and. I guess if you were in theory looking um, for the Braves needing somebody else in the bullpen, they might look. Uh, sure. We'll and it's legitimate. If you look at it, John Heyman is basically the only one tweeting about this. So I'm sure Heyman has it in with Lincecum or his be agent. agent. Yeah, could be an agent but thing. And no one else is really hyping this up, right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. There were 20 teams there. So uh, congratulations to Tim on getting a, a good audience. On this fine uh, Thursday, uh, <laughs> moving moving on from here, we actually got a question uh, from the mailbag. Something that I was already going to address, but it came from Michael Lane. He asked, "Does Scott Casimir have a realistic chance of starting at any point this season?" And uh, that actually brought up a Mark Bowman quote again. We are leaning on Bowman on today's podcast, but he says Casimir could draw some trade interest if he pitches effectively. Um, but barring this is the quote now, but barring an injury to another starter, it is hard to envision him blocking the development of one of the young stars by filling a rotation spot. End quote. Which is kind of how I feel. I think if Casimir was just unbelievable in spring, they may, they may stick him in the rotation and then try to trade him as fast as possible. But yeah, I, I'd be pretty surprised. I would too. As you said, if if he's healthy and looks great in the spring. If they want to put him in the rotation for a month or two and see if that'll translate over, even if you can get a fringe prospect for him, it would be a nice, a nice coup. Considering he was just kind of thrown into that deal to make the money balance out, but yeah, even you look at the rotation, the projected five, and then you have Max Fried waiting in the wings. I would really hate to give you know, valuable starts on the mound when you have some young pitchers you're trying to develop. To a you know, Casimir was was certainly good back when his health was cooperating. And I'm still pretty skeptical that his health will cooperate, but uh, yeah, I'm with you. He might be able to you know, come out of the the bullpen, or maybe be a long man if if there's a game where Sean Newcomb just can't make it out of of uh, you know out of the the third or fourth inning. But um, yeah, I'm not real confident in this. Kessler is one of those guys where if he finds it, he really actually might find it. Like when he's good, he's usually really good, and when he's bad, he's really bad, uh, or he's yeah. hurt, one of the two. So mm-hmm. like. There is an outcome in which he actually looks great in spring, and 
Um, the Braves don't want to just bury him because they might actually have some value on the trade market for him. Um, but I think it's probably along the lines of what you said. Maybe you have him as the fifth starter, but it's like you're skipping him and doing all, like maybe you're almost running six at the beginning of the season. If he's that good, like I can't imagine him taking time away from somebody who's actually pitching good and that is younger than he is. Um, we'll see. I mean, the Reds, they continue to go out of their way to say that only three guys are lost for the rotation and, uh, Newcomb's not one of them, so and neither is Johara, so we'll see how, how that transpires. But I don't know. Casimir is like one of those guys that you'll know pretty early, though, on the bright side. I think if he's any good, you're going to know it um, early, yeah. in early March. And if not, then he'll probably be um, either on the DL with some made-up injury or he'll be in Gwinnett. Like, it could yeah. be that bad. I mean, they got to pay the, him. But. Yeah, right. And I'll put the over-under on big league starts at 1.5. Uh, yeah, I'll take the under on that. Not not hugely convicted about that opinion because, like, you know, Freed is interesting and so is all those middle guys. So I can see the scenario, but I think if he's if he hasn't started by May, he won't start, if that makes yeah. sense. Like, it's going to have to be early on, and I'll take the under as a result of that. I, I can't imagine they're going to keep him around and have him not start. I mean, maybe maybe he's the long man. That's the only way that, that that he's on the roster in May and doesn't get over is if he's just the pure long man in, in the Josh Colmenter mold from last yeah. year. But yeah. yeah, it's basically just a sunk cost at this point. And you'll see if he can give you anything. But uh, when they acquired him, I, I have a feeling the Braves had very little um, worry about whether they'd have to use Scott Casimir. Uh, he was, uh, as you said, that was a money throw in, which I, I'm totally okay with. Uh, Brandon McCarthy is the actual asset in terms of the pitchers, and that he's one of the guys that they are saying is a lock for rotation, and I agree yeah. with that. Unless he, I was speaking him. of McCarthy, I was I looked him up earlier. So his final start of last season actually came against the Braves. He got lit up at Tur- at Turner at SunTrust. I remember that start actually. <laughs> and uh, but before that, going into that game, and he he went four innings and uh, got lit up. And if I was reading, and and I think he gave up seven runs and. Anyway, going into that game, his first 15 or 16 starts of the season, he had an ERA and FIP of like 3.2, which is obviously very, very good. So sure, if you take out any pitchers who are start of the year, their, their numbers look better. But the fact that even if he can come close to doing what he did last year for the Braves, over 150, 150 innings, 200 starts, that'd be a huge, you know, huge benefit to the rotation. Yeah, I kind of like McCarthy. We'll see. I mean, and again, like he's got a weird team option for the following season. So that actually get, might, give, might give him some more um, value if the Braves wanted to move on from him in a trade. If he's pitching well, like he's the guy. He just needs to be healthy. If, he, if he's healthy, he's usually pretty good. So yeah, we'll keep an eye on him for sure. Uh, before we get in the mailbag, one last thing to hit on, and that is that Las Vegas and a couple of offshore sites came out with their over-unders. This week, uh, South Point released theirs. I wrote about it a little bit earlier this week, but it's 75 for the Braves and BetOnline.ag, which is like the leading, um, you know, online offshore book in the United States, is at 74.5. So mid 70s, not a big surprise. I think last year, by the time the season started, the Braves runner was 74 and a half. So it's basically like uh, deja vu from a year ago. Uh, it, I remember last year it opened at like 71, and it immediately just shot up to 74 and a half, and and, and they landed up. They landed at seventy-two, which was a disappointment at the time, obviously. But I don't know. I mean, seventy-five is about right. I would not encourage anybody to wager on this if it was my decision. I'm not, I'm not even sure which way I'd go, to be honest with you. Seventy-four and a half. Ooh. It. If I had a hundred-dollar bill in my hand and I had to put it down, I would 
put it on the over. 74 and a half, yes. I would go. Yes. You are, you are such a homer, Scott. It's amazing. I was in Vegas two weeks ago, so I have I have gambling fever. And 74 and a half, they won 72 last year, right? 72. They did. I think that a full year of Albies and Acuna instead of Kemp, and I think the rotation will be at least somewhat better. The last year's rotation was dog poo for about five or <laughs> six months. Um, yeah. And I can't imagine a scenario when the, where the bullpen is as bad. I don't think the bullpen is going to be great, but I also don't it think it's going to be. I mean, they, if you look at last year's bull, like guys who were throwing significant innings early, you know, Ian Kroll, uh, Josh Colmenter had like a negative one war and he appeared in like five games. Um, yeah, I, I, I think they can. Is this team three wins or more better than last year's? I think so. I, I don't think they're going to exceed it by that much, but I would I would take the over. Yeah, I think if you once we talk about it a little bit here, I think I'm I'm with you. I again would not endorse a wager on this. Frankly, this is not something that I would be going to the window with my money on. Uh, but yeah. if you made me choose it, I will take the over as well. You know, Fangraphs currently has them at seventy five. Uh, Pakoda has them at seventy six. Everybody's kind of in the same range, mid seventies, which, by the way, sounds right. Which is why I don't want you guys to bet on this. <laughs> um, but if you want to just root for the Braves all year, I understand that kind of wager. If you don't want to go through the daily grind and just just always have an investment in the Braves, I, I totally get betting the over as just a fan wanting to have a sweat. So I, I understand that completely, and it's not unreasonable. So I mean, I, I, I'm not coming down with my pick on this podcast until late March. Um, <laughs> yeah. Because, I mean, obviously the roster could change. We'll learn some stuff between now and then. But I think at this moment, I'd probably go somewhere in the mid-70s. So Yeah. Division's going to be really bad, too. Oh, it's uh, it's the Nats, and that is it. I mean, Florida is the I mean, Florida's the Sorry, Miami. Miami's the worst team in the history. Uh, that's not true. But they're going to be very, very, <laughs> very They're going to be bad. close. Yeah. Uh, in fact, I think their number in Vegas, this is, a, this is a bit of an offshoot, I think it's like 64 and a half, and I would pound the under on that. Yeah. Because um, they're going to be horrific. Um, by the way, I am a, a tangential Detroit, Detroit Tigers fan because my dad is a Tigers fan, grew up that way, and I'm obviously a Michigan fan. So I was rooting for the Tigers in the AL, and um, they're going to be terrible too. But I, I remember that team that won 43 games uh, when I was in high school, uh, 43 and 119. They have the record, Jeez. I believe. And that roster isn't really any worse than this Marlins roster. Granted, the Tigers had to get pretty unlucky because, like, winning 43 games is unthinkably bad. But yeah. if you look at that roster versus the roster of this Miami team this year, it's not that much different. So, yeah. The Braves are beat the Marlins a lot. If you're rooting for uh, the yeah. Braves to win games, one of them to play the Marlins would be nice. Yeah, and the Phillies, they have, I mean, They're bad their too. lineup's not bad, but, and, but they have one pitcher. You know, they have Nola, and that's about it. And, the Mets are actually, I think, kind of flying under the radar. I think, I think they're going to be better than people think. I don't think they're going to be a playoff team, but I think they could win. You know, they'll break five hundred or so. Um, but yeah, it's, it's it's yeah. But take the over. Go to Vegas, put all your money on the over, and make a lot. No, don't do that because <laughs> that's probably bad advice. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's weird, man. But I just want to at least talk about that because I am a degenerate, as we all know. And uh, by the way, USA Today, which is not a projection system, also had 76 wins. I was going to talk about that earlier on the podcast, but then ended up not doing that. But yeah, USA Today, 76 wins. Everybody's in that range. I think I've seen every single projection system slash yeah. projection. It's like between 73 and 77, which, yeah, <laughs> that sounds right. Um, all right, let's go to the mailbag here before we get out of here. Uh, the first question comes from Lawrence Pemberton. 
who asks, who is going to supply right-handed power in the lineup this season? And I, I, immediately, re- I immediately replied to Lawrence on Twitter and said, nobody. And then, yeah. and then I told him we would talk about it on the podcast anyway, but my answer is nobody. Nobody. I mean, that's, that's one of the problems it, probably with this roster is like, I don't really care necessarily about right-handed power specifically, but this team has one power hitter and it's Freddie Freeman and maybe Ronald Acuna gets there. But I was going to say, what? okay, let me ask you this. Ronald Acuna or the field for total home runs this year on the team? On the right, uh, uh, by right-handers, you mean? No, sorry, I, I worded that poorly. Other than Freddie Freeman, oh, okay. would you take would you take Acuna or anybody else on the roster for being second in homers? I will take the field, um, only because that's a lot of guys. But yeah. if I if I if I had to pick one person to finish second, it would certainly be Acuna. I will take the field just because you know Acuna's gonna be twenty years old. There's a lot of uncertainty there. We don't even yeah. know when he's gonna come up. Um, but you, you look at this roster and the home runs. I mean, aside from the weird Kurt, Kurt Suzuki extravaganza last year, there really isn't anybody that you think is going to hit for a ton of home run power. I mean, there's guys yeah. who have doubles power, but it's Freeman and a wasteland. So, I mean, who's the other? I mean, who would be number three for you right now? Who would you pick as the, as the third guy in home runs behind Freeman and Acuna? Honestly, Ozzy Albies, maybe. I mean, that, I mean, seems, it, that seems absolutely insane, but it's also not. Like, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I think I would probably take. Um, I think Ozzy can get to fifteen this year. What about Maybe. Dansby? Oh God, no. He well, we'll see. He, he had such little power last year. This is gonna say it all. I mean, the fact that we're talking about these guys is hilarious, but they are yeah. the only. I mean, I guess I'll tell you this: if either one of Flowers or Suzuki got hurt and the other guy played more regularly, they'd be the pick. Yeah, um, yeah, but which is crazy. <laughs> yeah, but they're they're gonna split so much time that like you can't yeah. expect Suzuki to be Babe Ruth again. Um, yeah, and, more, more, gonna, maybe maybe I do want Acuna over the field now that now that we're talking about this. <laughs> yeah, you look. I mean, you know, Ender what ten, and that's not even his game, right? Sure, he's gonna 10. hit eight to ten. You got Ozzy. Ozzy, I guess, has the highest upside. And twelve he, to fifteen, he he maybe. well. Over a third of a year last year, he had six. So Markakis. You know. Oh God. He might hit three. That'd he can good. bloop a couple over the second baseman. I'll be pretty happy this year. But no, uh, this is this is hilarious. I mean, honestly, I answered the question without thinking about it on Twitter, and now that I think about it, I'm even more depressed about the power. Like there is yeah, no power. They're going to have to string together hits to score runs this year. There, there's no power. I mean, we knew that, but just saying it out loud makes it even just hit even harder. So. Yeah, yeah, I'll take Ronald Acuna uh, as my number two guy for sure. He's the one legitimate, like he's the only. He's I think yeah, he's the only guy on the roster other than Freeman that would not be a stunner if he hit twenty. Everybody else, I can't see another guy on this roster that wouldn't be just stunning to hit twenty home runs. Yeah, I don't see anybody. Yeah, I mean, may, again, maybe Kurt Suzuki. This this power is just real, and he suddenly has four hundred plate appearances, and maybe he could do it. But other than that, no. Uh, and I, by the way, we're being optimistic with Ozzy Albies, who really didn't have a whole lot of home run power until very recently. And if he's your third or fourth option at five seven, um, whew. so yeah, the answer is nobody. Thanks, Lawrence, for nobody. your question. Uh, well, that was depressing in a hurry. I like I like all those guys, but not from a power standpoint. And on that note, yeah, let's move along. Uh, next question. This is an interesting one, and uh, I guess sort. 
more serious than a lot of these are and more interesting in the way that's sort of game theory-wise, not really about the Braves, but I thought it was interesting enough to talk about. Brian Stanton asks, uh, he actually says, I understand the argument that saves that saves are a poor statistic, but isn't a blown save at least a decent one since it applies to any reliever that comes in and gives up a lead, even if they are not in a save situation? I feel, mm-hmm. and he says, I felt like the arguments about Jim Johnson last year were missing the point because he came in and, bl- and gave up leads. So the save stat is bad. I think we can all kind of agree on that at this point in time. But blown save is interesting because, as he says, it doesn't have to be the guy in the ninth inning that you're saving. It's anybody that gives up a lead. So I don't know. I don't really care about this that very much, but it's also kind of interesting to think about as an exercise. It's a good question. I was giving it some thought, and obviously we saw it beforehand. I, I don't really know. I mean, yes, blown saves are bad, though uh, I don't know. I feel like no two situations are going to be the same, or at least you know they're going to be pretty different. Uh it's an interesting argument to say, you know, to look more at blown saves than saves, but no, no, it's it's an issue. I mean, I think the holds category is even worse than saves. Oh, like holds when, are terrible. When people cite say or holds, one, come, in, come, come, come in and throw a one pitch in the fifth inning and get a hold, and like, you get a hold. Awesome. Right? You see those games where the starter goes five innings and then seven guys get holds because they all pitched and didn't give up the lead. Yeah, so it's something to be sure. Um, but no, I, I think it's a good question from Ryan, and I'm, I'm with him. I'm sure it was, the, as, he, as he even kind of says, Jim Johnson became a lightning rod last year because uh, before he completely fell apart, his uh, peripherals were still good, even though he was blowing leads when he came in as the closer. So he became this like weird uh, advanced numbers like lightning rod guy because the fans hated him, and it was like, guys, he, had a, he, has, a two, he, he has a 2.3 FIP or something, whatever he had. Um, but then he fell apart completely, and that stopped being an argument. But yeah, I don't know. I'm with it. I'm with it as a, as a theme. I, I guess I would trust blown saves more than saves because you know the save stat is the save stat, and I really don't like it very much. But alas, uh, let's <laughs> end on a fun note because uh, a good friend of the program, Carlos Colazzo, former host, frequent guest, still he uh, asked which haircut is worse. Julio Tehran's haircut or Enderenciarte's haircut, and uh, I had to, I had to go searching for these because I candidly do not really care about this very much. But it was funny when I when it was asked, I went and found two uh, pictures and sent them to Scott so we could evaluate these. Um, do you have an opinion on this? Because I think it's they're both bad. I'll say that. Worse hair. I would. I don't know what Julio's doing. It looks like a toucan bird. Somebody <laughs> made the Mr. T comparison, uh, but well, like even with more. Um, there were, I don't know, there were a few different. Um, Ender just kind looks of like he needs a, yeah. Ender just kind of needs a cut, like. I don't, the but weird Julio's just thing been, going right now. Yeah, yeah. And uh, the quote that he gave, I got this from Fox Sports uh, Brave. So shout out to Zach Dillard, Corey McCartney, and those guys. Um, if he doesn't have any hits, that he will trim it down right away. Was the quote from Ender? Which, okay, if he suddenly hits three fifty, then leave it. But. They're both bad, is the moral of the story, but I guess it's just like, I'm with you. It feels like Enciarte just needs a haircut, and Julio is just doing something weird to do something weird. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Ender kind of has the hipster thing. He has the nice beard, you know, good beard game, but, you know, and, but yeah, Julio, I don't know what, Julio has to, he has to go back to the fade or something like that, because he's, (laughs) I don't really care what what Julio does as long as he pitches better than he did last year. Sure. It was, uh, it Absolutely. was not, a good, not a good, fun season for Julio Tehran. So maybe he just needs some mojo back, and he's going with the hair to do it. I'm looking at a couple different things um, of Julio's hair now, just because I, I only looked at the one picture when we talked earlier. It's man, it's bad. It's just kind of there. It just kind of sits there. 
Somebody made a Chief Nakahoma comparison, which is something that was said. Uh, yeah. It, it really is. It's, it's Mr. T. That's my best comparison. It's like prime Mr. T, except maybe even higher. We'll have to post the yeah on the uh, we'll put the two photos in the comments of the on the site and people can vote on people can uh, vote and uh, by the way Scott in the middle of the podcast asked um, the question on Twitter about our uh, Freeman slash Acuna thing so if you've not um, weighed in somewhere else weigh on weigh into Scott on Twitter um, the second second on the team in home runs and uh, good friend of the program Joe Lucia. Immediately came in with it, all capital letters. Always take the field. So he, he, and, I, he and I are uh, kindred spirits. I'm just going to default to the field always. But man, the field is always the smart play. It is. But in this case, I, I as we talked about at length, I'm not sure who else could realistically do it. But alas, we'll it see. It is a weird situation. Maybe maybe the Braves will go out and sign. Maybe Mike Chris Mustak? Stewart. Maybe Chris Stewart will be the guy. <laughs> no, uh, yeah, Mustakis. Maybe he's just like. It's like April fifth, and he still doesn't have a contract yet. And he's like, "Guys, just give me ten million, I'll come play for you." And he suddenly becomes the favorite to do this. I don't know. It might happen. Is there anybody else well, in the free agent market that like is even realistic? I know I, we did not prep for this. This is completely off, off the top of my head. But is there anybody else on the trade on the free agent market that makes any sense at third base? I, don't, I haven't looked because it was basically no. Nunez, and that was not off the market as well. So no is the answer, I think. No, I, Neil Walker's name is popped up, but that guy hasn't. I mean, I mean, he's been a second baseman for like twelve years now. So I, mean, I'm sure I he can't imagine play third base, but it wouldn't be yeah. like, his, like I wouldn't do that as an upgrade. Like he might be worse than Camargo. And his bat's not good enough for third, right? He might he's be worse okay than Camargo. As a second baseman. Yeah, right. <laughs> At least yeah. with Camargo, you know, you know he's going to field. Like he'll be fine defensively. Oh yeah, he has enough defensive value. I mean, if, if Johan Camargo can hit, you know, have a ninety WRC plus, which would be just below Billy Garrett. If he do a ninety WRC plus and play strong defense at third over one hundred and fifty games, that probably makes him a two win third baseman, maybe one point five. I yeah. I take that and as just kind of a bridge year. Oh my god! I I found it. Money. I found it. Only if the Braves wanted, wanted to prove us wrong, they could they could sign Mark Reynolds. Ooh, yeah, he hit like thirty homers last year with the Rockies. I mean, he does that. That's all he can do. Yeah, um, but if and I think he's were, more of a first baseman now. He is. I mean, he he'd be terrible defensively, but he he has played third base. And if you were looking for like the hail mary, we really want just power every once in a while option. He might be one as well as. The other guy I um, came across just now, my very, very brief um, look, was Danny Valencia, mm. um, who isn't good, but no. has played third and has a little bit of power. Like He has a career 427 slugging, which is not good, but it's that's higher than most guys on the roster would probably be. So just keep a couple of guys that you know tangentially could be available. I would not be prioritizing either one of them, but if the Braves got desperate, you know, Gun to my head, I'm, I'm. I think Johan Camargo is trotting out there on opening day myself at third base. But if they want to be weird, too. then sure. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, Scott, we've covered a lot on uh, this very random Thursday night podcast. It is now midnight on the East Coast, and I have to work in the morning because that's my dedication to the pod. Um, that's what happens. But uh, anything else you want to get out there, man? I know it's sort of this weird transitional period, but we're ripping yeah. up a lot on the site now. So like. Every single day, we'll have some content. We're going to re- recap all the spring training games. If you've not been checking out the site regularly, it's time to start doing that. But other than that, um, anything you got going? Not too much. We, uh, you know, we'll certainly have the day-to-day stuff and all rumors and everything. It's kind of the 
as we said, it's kind of the calm before the storm of, of seven straight months of games just about every day. So I know uh, behind the scenes, we're figuring out our coverage plans. And Chris has started, uh, you know, fearless leader. Chris Chris has been kind of previewing the various positions all over the roster and should be fun. And I think we're I think the first game is what next next Friday. Is that right? I is that, that first? is true. I think we're all, I think we're a week away or so. That is, yeah. So that, that'll give us something, as always, and we always have fun shenanigans on the site, and all the guys do a great job. So make sure you're checking that out. Also, uh, Scott Scott joined our Slack channel, and it took him uh, after like three years. I was gonna say, I think about three years <laughs> of Scott just refusing to join the Slack channel, and I'm sure he doesn't look at it ever, but he's in there, and that was all that matters. So welcome, welcome to the squad, Scott. Even though you're the longest standing member of the site, you were you were the last holdout. Um, I had heard about it for years and years and years. I'm like, oh, okay, I'll join at some point and never had. So I think I think when I texted Chris, hey, I want to join, how do I do it? He, <laughs> I would have loved to have seen his face. He was probably blown away for sure. It's funny because like, I think if – I'm sure like some of our new guys who don't know you might think you're like 60 years old just because no. you just weren't in Slack and you're just like this figure that looms out there and they, they're not aware that you're like a young person. Um, yeah, I'm 26. I'm a youngin. You're younger than me, which is funny. Um, but yeah, anyway, welcome, welcome to uh, 20, welcome, welcome to 2018, Scott. I really appreciate that. So, uh, <laughs> Earlier today, I was trying to take a video on Instagram, and I kept taking a photo for somebody at work. Because, you're, because they, you actually are 60 years old. Is I am actually 60 years old. I'm an old ass man. I'm falling asleep at like 10 o'clock every night. Uh, it's easier to do that if you live on the West Coast. To be fair, so like if I was if I was falling asleep at 10 o'clock, I'd be in deep trouble because like nothing's over at 10 o'clock. Yeah. At least West for you, yeah. Half half the year, like everything's over by ten o'clock your time, and then even like now, is, is it now the year two hours or is it three hours? Yeah, right it's two hours behind, like half the year, and then the rest of the like during baseball season is it's probably three. the easiest way. It's three hours, which yeah, it's, it's kind of annoying that most of the Braves games start at at four o'clock out here, but it's also kind of cool because you know I'm off work at five, and you know I'll get home and watch that, and then. Obviously, the West Coast games are starting at, at seven, and you know it's kind of it's you know it's six hours of baseball. And if obviously whenever the the team does travel to the West Coast, I always get recap duty, so you guys aren't having to do it at one in the morning. So if, I like if it. it's, if it's not fan, you, it's me, which is always the funniest part. It's like <laughs> if Scott's not available, it's like Brad, you got to stay up. I'm like, oh god, because Chris just knows that, that I just don't sleep. So uh, yeah, if, if you're if for some reason like the games that you actually go to in Arizona when they're there and that kind of stuff, it's like. Hey Brad, we gotta need you to stay up till one in the morning. I'm like, great, sounds good. <laughs> Looking forward. To it. Like right now, it's twelve twelve oh three a.m. and here we are. So here we are. Anyway, it's time for us to stop ranting and rambling. Um, if something happens between now and next Sunday, I will do a podcast. Um, that seems unlikely at this point. So plan on next Sunday. And I know I apologize for the weird schedule right now, but it's just what kind of what happens when you're traveling. And in fact, now I'm thinking about this out loud. Yes, I'll actually be in Arizona, which I need to talk to you about something. Hey. Podcast, but I'll be in Arizona next weekend. Um, so we'll, we'll check up on that. But anyway, thanks for listening to the podcast, everybody. I apologize for the randomness. Uh, thanks to Scott for joining us as always. Please subscribe to the podcast. If you've done now already on, on Apple Podcasts and leave your, uh, leave your five-star review. That'd be huge for us to grow the show. We are at SoundCloud, and of course, every single episode of the pod is hosted on the site. So as soon as it's over, within a few minutes, I will have had, had it edited and written up a post, and then you can check it out there. So... Thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll see you guys pretty soon.